and Rob McGregor welcome you to a place where all kinds of phenomena flourish. Voices whisper, ancient secrets, signs and symbols are abundant. UFOs, ETs, ghosts, and even the dead move about freely. Here we meet authors, researchers, and investigators of the mysterious, the strange, and of the inexplicable anomalies that surround us. Step out of the everyday world and take a journey into the mystical underground. Welcome to the mystical underground. Thank you for joining us. This is Rob McGregor along with Trish McGregor and our tech magician, John Posey. The Mystical Underground is a place where the weird and the wonderful flourish, where ideas that are contrary to mainstream materialistic science are explored, and the mundane, everyday world takes a back seat. You can go to our website, Phenomena111, to find out more about our nonfiction books, including the most recent one, Phenomena Harnessing Your uh, Psychic Abilities, and you can go Visit blog.synchrosecrets.com where we make regular posts. Our guest today is Kathleen Martin, an investigator of UFO abduction and contact with non-human intelligence, the author of several books, a featured on-camera commentator, and an international lecturer. She's the author of Captured, the Betty and Barney Hill UFO Experience. Kathleen earned a BA in social work and worked as an educator and education services coordinator while attending graduate school. She's a practitioner of regression hypnosis and the quantum healing hypnosis technique. Her interest in UFOs and contact began in 1961 when her aunt and uncle, Betty and Barney Hill, had a close encounter and subsequent abduction in New Hampshire's White Mountains. And of course, that's one of the most famous UFO abduction experiences ever. Uh, she has been a researcher of UFO contact phenomena since 1990 and is the Mutual UFO Network's MUFON, director of the Experience Research Team, a group of 30 specialists who offer support, non-judgmental listening, and referrals to experiencers. She's an advisory board member and consultant to the Edgar Mitchell Foundation for Research into Extraterrestrial and Extraordinary Encounters. Welcome, Kathleen. Welcome. <laughs> We've been looking Thank forward you. to this. Yeah. We actually met uh, Betty Hill in the late 1980s when we were covering a UFO conference for Omni Magazine in Hollywood, Florida. Oh. She and Bud Hopkins uh, were the featured speakers. It was a very small conference, just about 100 people. And uh, we ended up spending the weekend with her. And uh, uh, she came over to our townhouse in uh, Fort Lauderdale. And, uh, and we yeah. ended up outside looking for UFOs. Right. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Did yeah. you see any? Uh, I think Betty pointed out something, but I, honestly, I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember what, what happened. Yeah. It was a long time ago. Uh, yes, <laughs> a I lot has happened since then. Yes. <laughs> um, so, what was it like having Betty and Barney as relatives for well, you as a teenager, right, growing up? Yes, I was 13 years old when they had their experience in New Hampshire's White Mountains, and. I have to tell you that Betty and Barney were really role models to me, mentors. They were kind and loving people, fine, upstanding people. They had an interest in um, promoting civil rights, 
and human rights, very involved in the community, in their church, because Betty was a social worker for the state mm -hmm. of New Hampshire. And so I have wonderful memories of growing up with them. I gotta tell you, I mean, Betty was delightful. Uh, you know, she was funny. She was, she was just great. <laughs> we really enjoyed that weekend with her. Yeah, I think probably a lot of people now looking back uh, think that uh, Betty was somebody who was really pushing this uh, whole thing about uh, her experience. But reading your book, it was very interesting that Betty and Barney did not want to uh, go public with this, and they actually hired lawyers to try to stop the. Uh, but was it Boston Herald, one of the Boston papers, yes. to, uh, to uh, not uh, not publish an article about them. So uh, it's not like they were out to uh, publicize their experience at all. Right. That is absolutely correct. Uh, you know, they were uh, interracially married in that time frame. They were both promoting um, their political and social uh, ideas. Uh, Barney and Betty were both on the local board of the NAACP. She was a secretary. Uh, Barney was uh, legal redress. He was on the regional board as well. And uh, they helped to set up the Rockingham County Community Action Program hmm. in Rockingham County, oh. uh, southern New Hampshire. They were very politically and socially minded people. And they did not want to be thought of as in kooky in any way. Mm -hmm. In fact, right. Barney was uh, promoted to the position uh, on the civil U.S. Civil Rights Commission on huh. a state advisory committee for the entire state of New Hampshire. So they yeah. had important reputations to lose. Right, right. and it was at, at a time when uh, interracial marriages were very controversial, and uh, you would not want to throw in UFOs as another <laughs> controversy, mixing mixing in uh, at, at that time, too. So I can certainly understand why they're very wary about uh, the publicity. But then when the publicity finally broke, it must have been crazy. Do you remember that time when all the reporters were coming around their house and standing around? And I do remember that. Uh, I was, of course, at that time uh, in my uh, senior year or maybe junior year of high school. And uh, Betty and Barney went to my grandparents' house. I grew up across the street from my grandparents in Kingston, New Hampshire, which is about 20 miles from Portsmouth, where Betty and Barney lived. We met as a family to decide what to do next. Oh, and, God. Yes. I mean, this was, uh, this was <clears throat> very troubling for not only Betty and Barney, but the entire family. But we made the decision that since there had already been this violation of confidentiality. Their story had been released against their mm -hmm. wishes. They would speak on it. Mm -hmm. And actually, a few days later, they did uh, hold a speaking engagement at a at the Universalist Unitarian Church in Dover, uh -huh. New Hampshire, and they were introduced by the public information officer from Jeez. the Air Force Base. Hmm. Huh. That's interesting. Did, so, I mean, because that's like you go from reading, leading a regular life to being suddenly famous. 
What did your, <laughs> yes, or <laughs> such a strange, yeah, or infamous, depending on your point of view. What did your family initially think about the abduction experience when they heard about it before you know, uh, before it became public? Well, from my perspective and those family members that I uh, had uh, direct contact with, uh, we were all very concerned about Betty and Barney. Uh, yeah. They the craft came so close to them that they were afraid that they might have been exposed to damaging radiation mm, right. from this craft. It was only 200 feet overhead and then to descend within 100 feet. Uh, Barney had conscious recall of observing non-human entities on the the craft. And, and right. that was uh, that is all in the original archival record. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So we were just very concerned, and of course, this had a very uh, negative uh, impact on Barney because he was a confirmed skeptic. He did mm -hmm. not believe mm -hmm. this was possible, but when he saw those non-human entities, he couldn't deny any of this, and it was so shocking to him that he really had a difficult time and developed what we now think of as post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm. How about Betty? Did she? Uh, she had a little bit of trauma, but she was extremely curious. She wanted uh, to yeah. learn all that she could possibly learn about what had happened. Well, that curiosity sure carried into her later years, too. Right. Yeah, I, yes. I, I read in your book where Barney would become very, become very upset when somebody played part of the uh, hypnotic regressions uh, for him. That uh, he, even after he had heard it a number of times, he still was upset by it, and uh, he, he, he just seemed like he, he didn't want to still believe it. Yes, he was upset by it, uh, and he was also concerned. Barney. Um, had uh, a desire to be pre present himself as a person with of of high regard, uh, mm -hmm. as an upstanding member of the community, and he was very bothered by these uh, investigators who mm -hmm. would pass judgment on him. And uh, you know when he would become upset and they were watching, he right. kind of felt that, well, they were thinking that he wasn't as manly as he actually was. Oh, wow. Well, now, um, regarding the transcripts of the hypnosis sessions, how did they differ from what appeared in the Interrupted Journey by uh, John Fuller? Well, John Fuller did not include all of the transcripts from the okay. hypnosis sessions uh, because there was a lot of repetition. Mm -hmm. uh, by Dr. Simon in the questions that he asked uh, both Betty and Barney. And uh, there was a difference in uh, the uh, events. Uh, it's all laid out um, 
in the sequential order in my book with Stanton Friedman, uh-huh. captured the Betty and Barney Hill UFO experience. I know for a fact it is because I went to those uh, stops over and over again mm-hmm. with Betty, and I even tape recorded her statements uh, one time. So uh, there is a difference. Uh, their first stop was at the Mount Cleveland picnic area north of Franconia Notch. Second stop mm-hmm. at uh, by the old man of the mountain, uh, third quick drive into the flume. They left because of the trees. Fourth stop was uh, south of Franconia Notch in North Lincoln, New Hampshire, about one mile south of the Indian Head Resort, where the state of New Hampshire has now erected a historical marker to commemorate. Yeah, I saw that. Interesting. Yeah, that is. Well, tell me, how did John Fuller get involved in this? I mean, did he just decide to do the book, or was... Um, No, he was actually in New Hampshire doing research on another event, uh, that of Norman Muscarillo and two police officers uh, in Exeter who uh, saw a UFO fairly close up, about 100 feet overhead, in Kensington. New Hampshire. And so Betty, being a social worker, would go into the police department to check on the foster children that she was charged Uh with uh, supervising. And so uh, she met John Fuller through this. And uh, he actually went to my childhood home and interviewed my mother uh, (laughs) about UFO sighting that she had had. And uh, he had written several letters to Betty and Barney too after the violation of confidentiality, asking if he could uh, write a book about their experience. Huh. Finally, um, lawyers and and he, Betty and Barney and Doctor Simon, all agreed to a contract. Hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, did you did you like Fuller? I did like John uh-huh. Fuller. Yes. So. The Betty and Barney Hill case is almost 60 years old now, and it, it still holds up. Uh, the arguments against it by debunkers such as uh, Hills were seeing Jupiter and Saturn, uh, <laughs> or that it, or that it was all, all a dream, dream. <laughs> that uh, Betty and Barney somehow observed it. Even uh, Dr. Simons uh, clung to that idea. Uh, so it seems to sound ridiculous now. Do you, do you ever encounter skeptics these days? There's some skepticism about it, and but you know I just have to set the record straight, uh-huh. and that is based upon Betty's and Barney's statements and on the archival record, and I actually did a comparative analysis of Betty's and Barney's statements um, made to Dr. Simon, uh, and that was along the entire trip uh, Hmm. to uh, determine whether or not Barney had uh, overheard a series of dreams that Betty had. She had five dreams in all, although the skeptics claim that she had dozens and so did Barney. (laughs) Uh, You know, that's more Mm -hmm. nonsense. Uh, So I did a comparative analysis between the dream statements and what Betty and Barney Uh, relived under hypnosis. And it became very clear to me that this was a real event. And it's all laid out in Captured, uh, Uh the Betty and Barney Hill UFO experience. 
Now, how, how did you connect originally with uh, Stanton Friedman? Well, uh, I had decided that I wanted some assistance uh, with in writing captured. Uh, mm -hmm. I had written most of it in the first person, uh, and I had ideas for other chapters, but I did not want to tackle the star map work that uh -huh. Marjorie Fish had done. She was a brilliant mm -hmm. woman. She was highly knowledgeable about astronomy, but I wanted to get the book published. I didn't mm -hmm. want to spend several additional years writing a Becoming an astronomer, you might say, <laughs> in order to do my own evaluation right. of Marjorie's work. You know, I, I never take anyone's word for anything. I always do an examination myself. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I saw Stanton at a MUFON symposium in Denver, Colorado in uh, 2004. And uh, and then in 2005, and I had my manuscript, I uh, approached him and asked him if he would join me. It was kind of difficult because I he bet. was busy all day long. Every time I would go to his vendor table, tall men would be surrounding him <laughs> and uh, talking uh, in a lively fashion. And I thought, oh, this is never going to work. So at the end of the day, when the conference was closed, I thought I'd visit his table again. And there he was packing up the remainder of his books. And I said, I would like to speak with him. So we had dinner together. And uh, he was very interested in what I had done. He wanted to take a look at it, and he wanted to also see uh, the archival record. Uh -huh. I'm the trustee of the estate, so I had the entire archival record. Mm -hmm. And so he ended up visiting me a few months later. He examined everything. We talked for hours, and finally, he made the decision to uh, join me in writing the book, in vetting uh -huh. my work, and uh, in writing the two chapters on the Star Map investigation. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. <coughs> okay, so I have a okay, question. What? <laughs> um, okay, so you you two knew each other for fourteen years. Is that correct? We, yes, well, we knew each other much longer than that. I believe I met him for the first time in 1971 or 72. Okay. Uh, yeah, so that's, well, since he passed, has he visited? <laughs> Actually, he has, and I was just amazed uh, because uh, the night that that he passed away, well, it was the following night, actually. Uh, I had gone to bed. My husband was uh, still preparing to go to bed. And I heard his voice. Hmm. And I felt a very strong electrical tingling sensation through my whole body. Wow. I opened my eyes. I saw a tiny orb in one corner of my room. And wow. I said... I either out loud or telepathically, I can't remember which, is that you? And he <laughs> said to me, I'm sorry, Kathy. You know, Stanton Aww. was one who would always apologize if he thought he was letting me down. 
And <laughs> he apologized when he had a heart attack and couldn't work with me one July <laughs> because of that. We traveled a lot, uh, spoke at the same conferences, shared mm. a vendor table. And uh, so we had a just a, a brief exchange of I... Uh, told him how how much I, I cared about him and uh, thanked him for coming to visit me. And hmm. um, I said, come give me a hug. We <laughs> 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 did. And I felt just a light touching on my forearm. So I oh. really, that was not my imagination. Yeah. I know it was not my imagination. I was wide awake. I hadn't been sleeping, so it wasn't sleep related. But uh, I was so pleased that he visited he was a good friend and, yeah. and someone I really looked up to and admired. You know, he was a nuclear physicist uh, for 14 years during his professional career before he began uh, his full-time work as a scientific ufologist. Right. Yeah, uh, it's interesting that uh, Trish often asks uh, people <laughs> after they hear about, uh, after she's told that a loved one has passed, if they've had any contact. And it's amazing how, how many, many people do positive, you know, people we've never talked to about the people you know, we don't know <laughs> <laughs> about the subject and that that come forward with uh, with stories. It's it's in interesting. Yes. Now, so, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I want to uh, go back to the the hypnosis session. So. Uh, Dr. Benjamin Simon was an authority on hypnosis back in the 60s. So uh, Betty and Barney drove to Boston every Saturday for these uh, hi uh, hypnosis sessions for, I guess, weeks, months they were doing that. Uh, yes. And uh, there, I read that there, there were rumors that the Air Force Base was paying for these sessions. Was that, was that the case? <laughs> no, the Air Force <laughs> base was not. Um, Betty and Barney were paying for the sessions, and then their insurance company did cover the okay. sessions. Oh, All that's right. interesting. Yeah. Well, okay, Kathleen, uh, you, you've had encounters, so when was your first experience? Well, on February 22nd, 1966, wow. I had uh, a close encounter with several members of my family, uh, on Country Pond in uh, Newton, New Hampshire, we saw a craft. Uh, Betty was there, my grandmother, my mother, bro my brother, and mm. a family friend. We walked onto the ice. The craft appeared to be hovering over the ice in another section of the lake. It lifted up. Uh, and because Betty and my mother were smokers, they were always puffing a cigarette, so that <laughs> light was showing. And we also had a flashlight, and the flashlight uh, was Betty flashed it at that craft uh -huh. before it rose up. Uh, it was in the air in front of us. It moved over to the top of a treetop, and then it moved off in the distance. So we followed it uh, to uh, a, an island uh, off this peninsula that we were near, and we turned around. We stopped on the bridge. We all got out of the car and started to look for the craft that we thought had descended again. Um, hmm. Most of us were looking in one direction. My mother was standing on the bridge near the rear of the car looking in the opposite direction. Huh. And 
what she saw were two craft about 25 feet apart hovering over the ice. And one of those crafts started to emit uh, kind of a blue funnel that came toward my mother in a measured way. It wasn't like turning on a light. Uh It was coming in a measured way. And she uh, became frightened. She yelled to all of us. We immediately entered the car and drove back to uh, the other end of the peninsula. We got out of the car again. We looked and we saw the craft now over the ice, uh, sort of descending vertically in a rocking motion. Mm Uh, rising up again, and we returned to the car, and according to Betty's diary, the the craft then uh, traveled beside her car, and she wrote that when she slowed down, it would slow down, and Hmm. when she moved quickly, it would move quickly. Hmm. Was there any missing time involved in that experience? Well, we are not certain about that. Uh, We arrived home later than anticipated. It was uh, probably about 10 o'clock at night. Then I'd say that we went out at about seven. Mm. Uh, So I don't know if there was missing time associated with that. I do know that that beam that comes in a measured way is kind of a carrier beam that takes people onto the craft. But I, we had no memory of uh, being on craft at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, have you been abducted? Well, uh, yes, and let me tell you about that. Betty okay. was working with a group of scientists who uh, were giving her a script to read, to send telepathic messages every night at the Mm -hmm. same time to these non-human entities. And she would ask them to show their craft in a certain area and to land on my grandparents' farm. (laughs) So uh, they actually did land on April 23rd, 1966. And there was a neighbor Uh, who was driving home from work. He was a commercial pilot. He saw the craft coming in for a landing. It awakened my grandparents, and they heard uh, knocks on their door that were kind of like measured knocks. And my grandmother had joked with Betty and said, well, if they decide to come... uh, have them knock on the door and I'll invite them in for coffee. (laughs) And I think she was kidding because uh, she was very frightened when uh, that occurred. And uh, my mother and I, at some time in that time frame, remembered being taken to craft and finding ourselves on tables surrounded by these non-human entities. But my family always said, they don't want you to talk about this, so don't ever mention it. And aside from that, you have a career ahead of you, a life ahead of you. Don't jeopardize it now. So I never did. Uh, But my mother did have periods of missing time. 
My mother was an experiencer, and I also had contact experiences periodically throughout my lifetime, and they stopped at least five years ago. So it does run in families. Uh, yes. Or it I, seems to. I have also done social research on on this, uh, worked on three different studies. The most recent is MUFON's uh, Experiencer mm-hmm. uh, Survey and American Personality Inventory that was administered by Dr. Don C. Don Derry, who was the social scientist, mm-hmm. uh, psychologist who uh, took part in our study. And what we discovered is that uh, the those who had UFO abduction syndrome, uh, who were identified by their experiencers and the API, uh, about 60% said that they were aware of other members of their families mm. who had also had contact. Mm. Huh. Interesting. That is kind of frightening. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do? Uh, as director of MUFON's Experiencer Research Team, obviously something like we were just talking about, but uh, um, beyond that? Yes, beyond that, uh, when there is a big investigation and I have time to work on it, uh, I work on abduction investigations over a very long period of time. Mm-hmm. I've been working on one for nearly five years now. Wow. And um, I'm doing a frame-by-frame analysis right now on video that was taken Hmm. by a motion-activated camera that night uh, that might show non-human entities. Oh, wow. Where did this happen? Uh, Hmm. This happened in North Carolina. So that's one thing. So they, they can be caught on, like, little spy cameras in the house. Yes, I have uh, several cases where um, these entities have been caught on camera. Uh-huh. Uh, it uh-huh. used to be that they would shut down, but I guess, suppose uh-huh. they uh, are interested in showing themselves to uh-huh. us now. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just one of the things I do. I do public speaking. I do television shows uh-huh. uh, as a, a commentator. I do uh, radio shows. Uh, uh-huh. I Podcast. write books. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that too. Um, a couple of years ago, we met Whitley Strieber uh, in Casadega. And one of the things he mentioned that weekend was that he felt that the number of, of abductions were falling off. In other words, you know, they were lessening. And he says, because they, they basically have everything they want from us. You find that to be Is the that, case? Or? Do you find that? I believe that that is true, but Mm -hmm. there are a lot of people who have had experiences during their lives, and maybe they're 50 or 60 or 70 now, Uh and uh, they have always kept this a secret. Secret, Uh And they now know that they can go to MUFON's Experiencer Research Team. We have 30 individuals who uh, will... Uh, listen non-judgmentally mm-hmm. to what they have to say. It's a great relief to people to be able to speak sure to someone who's knowledgeable and non-judgmental. Right. And so uh, they are still coming, and we, we're now receiving about 85 a month. Wow. Uh, wow. A couple of years a ago, lot. we yeah. were up to 150 
per month. Mm -hmm. So it has gone down some. Hmm. Yes. Is there a difference between an experiencer and an abductee? <laughs> yes, uh, <laughs> there absolutely is. And this was borne out in the study that we did through the Mutual UFO Network. Um, an experiencer is uh, a person who can have any of a variety of, of different events occurring in their lives from uh, contact with benevolent uh, entities mm -hmm. that they have uh, solicited contact with to people who are channeling or who are communicating uh, in a state of, of meditation. Uh -huh. uh, with the abductee group, we discovered that they had certain characteristics at a higher level than the experiencers in general. Hmm. So uh, I can tell you some of those if you would like to know. Yeah, I'd like to hear. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, first of all, we were interested in finding out if the uh, debunkers were correct when they said that a lot of this could be attributed to sleep paralysis. Mm -hmm. So we asked people who took part in our study if they had ever uh, awoken and been paralyzed and able only to move their eyes and saw like mm -hmm. shadowy figures in the room. And about 90% said yes. But then we asked, uh, have you been fully awake and able to move your body, observed non-human entities in your environment, and then become paralyzed? Only 36% huh. of the experiencers said they had, but it was 60% of those who had UFO abduction syndrome. So <laughs> that was just one of these um, interesting statistics. We said, would you like this to stop? If you could stop this today, would you? 71% of the experiencers said no. Uh -huh. I don't want it to stop. But 75% of the abductee group said they did not want it to stop. Oh, that's so really it, fascinating. It, it can't be that bad. Yeah. We found that 10% uh, of the experiencers in general had received healing from non-human entities. Mm. It jumped to 45% among the abductee group. Jeez. And people... Yeah. Overall, became more spiritual. Uh -huh. They became both empathic and empathetic. Uh, hmm. There were positive changes that we saw in both groups, but hmm. at a higher level among the abductee right. group. And Betty, uh, can Betty, I can I jump in real quick? Because yeah. actually, I was talking to Trish and Rob after our interview last week about a experience I had with sleep paralysis and and just for what it's worth it was an isolated experience and I'm definitely in the group that didn't want it to happen again <laughs> and, <laughs> and and luckily yeah. it and is is and luckily I it it didn't but but it definitely was a situation where I woke up or became conscious conscious of what was going on and could just simply <clears throat> could not move so and there were that's terrifying strange things yeah it, it was yeah not a not a pleasant experience at all so, yeah. <laughs> yes yeah i can understand kathleen uh in, in let's see i think it was 2001 uh i went to an eric pearl conference or workshop with a friend it was in alabama 
And Eric Pearl has a, a technique that he used called the reconnection, where it was like a healing technique. Never, you never, are you familiar with it? Or no, him? I'm not. Okay. Well, anyway, one of the things he asked us to do was <clears throat> pair up with somebody we didn't know, and you do these certain hand movements <clears throat> over the person's body, that, these hand movements that he was teaching people. So I was on this table, everybody had a table. This woman I didn't know was doing these hand movements. And all of a sudden, my I felt that the top of my head blew open and a, a light either came up out of my head, went through the ceiling. And at the top, there were these three entities looking down, observing everything. I thought, okay, that's pretty weird. They were definitely alien entities. Mm. Well, about four years later, we had Hurricane Francis. And one night, I couldn't sleep. Rob and our daughter and all the animals were passed out. And I was laying in bed thinking, oh, my God, is this ever going to end? And I closed my eyes, and the same thing happened again. And these same three beings were looking down. And I immediately fell asleep. And by the next morning, the hurricane moved on. <laughs> now, what do you make of that? <laughs> <laughs> I have no reason to believe that it wasn't a real experience. Yeah, no, it was real. I mean, yes, you know, and, you know, so I don't know their reason. Maybe they felt that you <laughs> needed some healing again. But, you know, when you were describing that to me, I received this very strong electrical tingling sensation through my crown chakra. Huh. And hmm. Into my third eye area. And and I received that when um an experience seems to be true, and mm -hmm. then I'm in the presence of certain individuals. Right. So I, oh. I found that very uh, interesting and, and kind of as confirmation that, mm -hmm. yes, wow. it did cool. happen. Well, I've asked them to come back because it's so, I, I mean, good things come out of it, you know. Yes, I've been healed by them. Have you? I, yes. want, them to I want them to heal my knees. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kathleen, do, do you find that there's much interest in what you and MUFON are doing from the government, specifically intelligence agencies? Are they watching or close by or what can you say about that? Well, I have spoken with some individuals from intelligence agencies. I make it known that uh, I'm willing to share my information with the government. I certainly won't share, I won't violate confidentiality, right. but uh, I have spoken with individuals who had an interest. I don't know if it was a formal interest or not, but, uh, you know, just to reassure them that uh, according to all of the evidence I have, they are not here to harm us mm -hmm. or yeah. to supplant us. Mm. I ask that because uh, a few years ago, we had a nine-part series on our blog. Yeah, <laughs> with an experiencer telling what happened um, what happened to him and going into detail. He was Canadian. Yeah, Canadian. And we had so many intelligence agencies coming on the blog. We were able to track who was coming on. And the Canadian Mounted Police <laughs> were on for eight hours. So which wow. indicates that, you know, that was an assignment. You know, you, yeah. you'd lose yes. your job if you just went on the internet looking for <laughs> stuff for eight hours about UFOs. And, you know, I, I told the guy about this who had the experience, uh, and I, I said I had this image of uh, 
cops on horseback chasing <laughs> UFOs, and you said, "Oh no, they're the, the, the Canadian Mounted Police are not mounted. They're they're like the FBI in Canada." <laughs> kind of uh -huh. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, I I can understand why uh, intelligence agencies would have an interest in all of this and want to learn as much as they can because it's a matter of national security. Well, you know, it seemed to me that there was it was such a, a variety of, of security agencies that it seemed to me each one was trying to, maybe each agency has a piece of information, but they don't have the full picture. Could be, or are they in competition with one another? Right. <laughs> yeah, that could be, too. Yeah. That could be, yeah. Good point. Yeah. Hmm. Huh. Okay, um, your turn. <laughs> okay, yeah. I, I was just thinking that uh, back to when we were uh, working with Omni Magazine back in the 80s, uh, we became friends with uh, Dr. Berthold, Berthold, Berthold Schwarz. Schwarz. Yes. Uh, a, a practice in Vero Beach. Trish used to live in Vero Beach as well. And so we got friendly with him for a number of different cases, uh, talking with him. And he also talked, to us about his experiences with Betty going out in the field in, um, in New Hampshire, I guess, uh, looking uh, for for UFOs out in the, the, the freezing cold in the winter. And, uh, you know, what he said was, uh, and we asked him, well, did you see anything? And he said, well, yes, this was during the later years of her life. I, we saw things, but the question is, what was it? You know, to yes. me, it, might have been airplanes, you know. Mm -hmm. So, but Betty was convinced that uh, some of them weren't. So, I mean, what was it like in her later years? I guess is what I'm getting around. I know exactly where he and Betty went. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because I lived, I lived nearby when I lived in New Hampshire, and uh, Betty, late in her life, uh, had a brain tumor. And I felt that that had really uh, changed her uh, rationality, her judgment. And she, at, at that point, would uh, see a light in the sky. And mm -hmm. if it was bright, she wouldn't wait long enough to actually see what it was. And many mm -hmm. of these lights were just conventional aircraft. Uh -huh. If she had waited then she would have been able to identify them. But instead, she would grow frightened, get hmm. back into the car and drive away and go hmm. to another area. Huh. And so uh, I think that this is uh, what has happened. She was uh, really criti criticized ruthlessly by um, debunkers and disinformants in mm -hmm. that time frame. However, I have spoken with others and uh, have, re have read as part of her collection accounts of experiences that she has had with others where there were real close encounters uh -huh. Uh -huh. Uh, as well. Have you, have you found, like Streber has, that with some of these encounters people have see the dead? Uh, yes, a very small percentage uh -huh. have actually seen deceased family members mm -hmm. on craft. Of course, Whitley uh, sees uh, Anne, his, uh, right. his late wife, in his house. 
Yeah. Well, they wrote the book together. Yes, (laughs) yes, they wrote the book together. It's just amazing that they had that close connection uh, so that they can still uh, interact with one another, even though she has passed. So, yes, but some people do. Uh, report yeah, and- that they have have seen close relatives, and mm-hmm. I had a dream one time where I was uh, taken to craft, and I saw Barney. Now I don't wow. know if it really was a dream. I still remember it. It was uh-huh. startling, and Barney was uh, young still, <laughs> and so that was a big surprise. It may have just been a dream. Yeah. Did no. he greet you? Yes. Oh, he did. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, Whitley believes that the visitors, as he calls them, are uh, in the same realm or can be in the same realm Outside of time, as, really. as the yeah, yeah as the dead, and that's why they can appear uh, when an abductee or experiencer sees uh, is abducted or is in contact. But there's another side to this, too, because we've also heard stories where the aliens can be visitors or whatever, can be shapeshifters and appear as somebody else. a lost loved one in an attempt to calm the person down. Uh, and in fact, um, in our book, Aliens in the Backyard, that's yeah, yeah, we, yeah. we have one story where a woman was abducted uh, and that she'd been abducted many times before uh, after going to a rock concert. And who shows up in the rock concert among the uh, her abductees? Not in the rock concert. Not, not at the rock, <laughs> in, in the in the UFO yeah. after she's been uh, taken is the singer uh, from the band, and she gets mad and says, "What's he doing here?" And they s- communicated to her telepathically. They th- we thought you liked him, <laughs> and then the the being changed into one of the greys. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, uh, I'm not sure if they're actually shapeshifters or if they are able to have this kind of impact on the human mind. Mm-hmm. But yes, it's quite yes. common for. Uh, individuals, especially children, who are being taken to observe either, you know, giant bunnies or uh, <laughs> bunnies. Right, yes, yeah. or deer. Oh, adults see deer. Owls <laughs> is is very prevalent. I have a, a case in Florida, very interesting, where a, a young man was driving four of his friends to a concert, and. Uh, they saw an owl that landed in the middle of the road and stopped the car. Now, this was a giant owl. It was uh, four feet tall. There really are no (laughs) owls that large. And so I said, well, okay, so you stopped the car. What happened next? And he said, well, it walked around to my window and was staring in at me. And I said, well, what happened next? And he said, oh, well, uh, I guess it was gone and I just drove on. Hmm. But they did not check their watches to determine Uh whether or not they had missing time. But I am aware that this man has had several uh, missing Hmm. time experiences and also a conscious recall of a landed craft before Uh 
one missing time event. So you wrote of the commonalities that experiencers share in your book, uh, uh, Extraterrestrial Contact, What Do You Do When You've Been Abducted? So tell us what uh, about MUFON's uh, experiencer research study of 516 experiencers and what you learned from that. Was that something you'd gone over already? or Well, I that... have more that I okay. can tell you. Yeah. I gave you just a, a few statistics. Yeah. Um, we wanted to know if... Uh, they had actually had close contact with a craft. So we wanted to know if they had observed craft um, 500 feet or closer. And among the experiencers overall, they said 65% had. And among Hmm. the abductee group, it was 70%. And their uh, relatives had also had these close encounters. the, the first contact uh, happened uh, when they were less than 20 years old uh, huh. in 72% of these cases, but uh, only in 6% of the cases for people who were over 40. Uh, huh. They also saw lighted orbs in their home that appeared to have intelligence. Um, and actually, I do have some uh, photographs and actually one video of an orb. This is a big case that I've been working on for the past eight years now. And the experiencer uh, had notified me that he uh, had been diagnosed with cancer, with lymphoma. Uh And so he was very distressed. We had already... Um, had uh, his an implant sent to MUFON that ended up dissolving, even though it was it a metallic sphere that, uh, yes, from him. Uh-huh. Uh, it, and his physician had removed a metallic sphere that uh, tried to run up his arm <laughs> to get away from the surgeon's knife. Um, he had uh, physical evidence on his clothing. He, we had quite a lot of evidence in this case. So I said to him, uh, well, I'm aware that many experiencers have been healed uh, by not the non-humans if they've mm-hmm. asked for healing. I said, would you be willing to ask for healing? And I'll also ask for healing for you. And mm. we also prayed. And uh, a couple of weeks later, just before he was scheduled to have surgery, uh, he had video that he sent to me of an orb that came in through his ceiling, uh, mm. slid down his bedroom wall, uh, flew like a beautiful butterfly across yeah. the room. This had a was white with a baby blue halo around it. It hovered over his body just momentarily, put down uh, iridescent tendrils, and then entered his body. He stopped for at least 12 hours, and when he awakened, the nodes that had been very large on his neck, and I have the photographs, uh, were tiny, Uh, You could Hmm. hardly feel them. You couldn't see them. And by the time he went in for surgery, uh, he had four tiny necrotic nodes 
removed. Now, this mm. evidence went to Dr. Joseph Burks, who is a member of the Edgar Mitchell Foundation for Research uh -huh. and Extraterrestrial and Extraordinary Encounters. And he has written uh, about this himself. So, mm. uh, very, very interesting. Uh, so, they, video. when he did the surgery, that they, he was found to be cancer free. Yes, they were wow. uh, not cancerous. Oh, okay, Unfortunately, yeah. a, f a few years later, uh, he did have another cancer diagnosis in another part of his body, and mm. he has not been healed from that. Has he asked for healing? Uh, I believe that he has. Huh. Maybe maybe they only do it once. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. I don't know. So That's fascinating. Our study. Um, there were health problems that were seemed to be related to contact in 53% of our cases, ranging from migraine headaches to uh, nosebleeds to my fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue and immune dysfunction syndrome. Uh -huh. It was 54% in the abductee group, whereas it was less than 1% in the general population hmm. of non-experiencers. That's fascinating. Hmm. So where is this all this leading to? Will, do you think there will be full contact uh, recognition ever? <laughs> full disclosure. Uh, full disclosure. I don't know. I I think that the uh, To the Stars Academy of Arts and Science is trying to push for limited disclosure, yeah. and the, you know the Navy has acknowledged that right. the videos belong to them, but they said they did not release them. Um, but anyway. Uh, that organization is is very good. It's staffed by scientists and former uh, intelligence agents from the U.S. government yeah. and people who had uh, very high positions in the government. Mm -hmm. And they uh, have brought forth evidence. And they also had a television series that uh, was uh, very accurate. I yeah, we saw that. So, yeah, we saw that. That's good. That's good. Yeah. So it's, uh, they are doing their best. Yeah, tiny steps are being taken, I guess. Yes. And I think yes. Because I think the polls show a pretty big majority now believes uh, that they were not alone. <laughs> not alone <laughs> well, they should with, with all <laughs> the evidence that's been presented. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, also there are more UFO sightings being reported too from what I've read this morning. I yeah. haven't checked MUFON statistics yet, but. Yeah. Maybe yes. that's because everybody's sheltering in place. It could be. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd be curious what these non-human guys think about this coronavirus. <laughs> I would like to know too. And, you know, I wonder if they have a cure or if they're staying right. away from humans. <laughs> um, yeah, is it transmissible yeah. to them? Yes, yeah, it's transmissible to animals. Maybe it right. is to them as well. Yeah, you would think that uh, they would be uh, susceptible to a lot of things that uh, we have that we, you know, uh, you mean disease? Diseases, think, yeah. yeah, right. A lot of diseases, but who knows? Maybe they have uh, protection. Yeah. Could be. Hmm. So, so how can people find your books? 
I was just going to ask that yeah. very question. <laughs> well, um, many of my books are for sale on the Mutual UFO Network's website mm -hmm. at www.mufon.com. These are autographed copies. Uh, my bookstore is going to be up and running soon for autographed copies at uh, Kathleen-Marden.com. Okay. Mm -hmm. And also, they're available in many different formats at Amazon and at BarnesandNoble.com. So, Great. readily available. Have, Kathleen, were you at the uh, Philadelphia MUFON in, was it, I think, 2017? Yes, I spoke there. I saw you. I was there with a friend of mine, you know, and that's so, and I thought, wait a minute, I've seen this woman. <laughs> I know who she is. <laughs> yeah, okay, I remember this. Yeah. yeah, it was great having you. Yeah, this was fantastic. Oh, well, thank you. I, I and, really enjoyed the conversation. Oh, well, good. Yeah, you, you, there's always been a mystery about this, you know, how we made this connection with Betty back in the 80s and over the years, things have started to come full circle yeah, you know, in terms nice. of answers. Yeah. Yes, and you know, I'm still pushing for that. Uh, scientists are still doing uh, new analyses, and I have written an update for Captured that will be released next year for great. the 60th anniversary of their That's event. Great. Yeah, that should be. Uh, you mean as a book? As a book, oh, uh, as an update to Captured uh, the Betty and Barney Hill UFO uh -huh. Experience, my book. Uh, Good. <laughs> Stanton. So, okay. yeah, new information okay. will be released. Yeah. All right. Okay, thank you well, very gosh, much. Well, gosh, Kathleen, someday, and I know you live in Central Florida somewhere, so yes. we usually get up to Orlando and Casa Dega, so we'll have to touch base and get Whitley to come. We'll all have lunch. <laughs> oh, that would be wonderful. I'd love yeah. to meet you all there. Okay, That'd be great. Well, thanks again. This has been You're wonderful. Well. And we'll send you a thank link you. for when it for when it goes up. Okay. Thank you oh, so okay. much. Okay. Yeah. Take Have care. a good day. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye, Bye. Thanks for listening to the Mystical Underground. Listen to the podcast at www.themysticalunderground.com. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Follow Trish and Rob on Instagram at Trish and Rob McGregor. Follow us on Twitter at The Mystic Cast. Visit the blog, blog.synchrosecrets.com. Visit the book site, phenomena111.com. Send us email, podcast at themysticalunderground.com. And until next week, thank you for listening and stay mystical. John. Yeah, okay. Yep, we're here. What do you think? Oh, yeah. It's just about yeah, good stuff. Uh, an hour. Right yeah. At it, yeah, as yeah. soon as she mentioned that sleep paralysis, I thought, oh, I hope John's listening. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was I was there. And, uh, yeah, that, uh, that, that, that was an interesting uh, coincidence there, I think. Yeah, I that, 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 that came up. And... Uh, it's yeah, not a coincidence. Synchronicity. Synchronicity, but uh, <laughs> yeah, but because uh, yeah, I would definitely, definitely say that it was not a pleasant experience. Yeah, and, yeah, it yeah. was, it was not, uh, not fun at all. And you know, just the whole deal with.
feeling feeling like you're well i mean just trying to get control of your body number right. one but then number two you know like i said when when um uh who were who was it we were talking to last week uh, i can't I think remember. of um, <laughs> I mean, yeah. My God. Oh. Who was it? Great <laughs> parts. Oh no. Hang on. I've got notes. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, uh, Susan. Uh, oh, Susan. Oh, yes. Susan. So okay. So yeah. When when uh, when she when she started talking about uh, it was last week, right? Susan was yeah. talking about trying to push trying to push the uh, presence out of her body. Right. That's what absolutely triggered that memory is because it wasn't just that I was paral- uh, par- uh, paralyzed. It was that I felt like I Somebody's had lost control of yeah. my oh. body oh, and was trying yeah. to trying to regain. You know, oh, I mean, once again, obviously being paralyzed, you're you're freaking out because you're trying to figure out yeah. why you can't move <clears throat> and you're wide awake. Uh, but, uh, but it also felt like I was fighting something other than myself to get control. But, Mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, but yeah, that was good stuff. And by the way, something, uh, interesting right there at the end, uh, I think it was Rob that was, uh, asking, you know, uh, if, if, if they, if they are amongst us, are they concerned about the coronavirus and, uh, Uh and whether they would be susceptible to disease and so, interestingly, uh, Brett and Heather Weinstein had actually talked about that on their podcast a couple oh, of weeks really? ago. It oh. came up, you know, well, it, it just like, because they, they do their podcast and then they do an hour of Q&A afterwards. Right. And somebody had asked that question, if, you know, they're, we're being visited, would the aliens be susceptible? And specifically, they, they brought up uh, that the, so... So they didn't say this, but what I took from what they said is that unless we are descendant from them, Mm -hmm. then they probably wouldn't be susceptible because even if they're carbon-based, their RNA would be different. So the messengers, Uh the the messenger uh, 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 nucleate acids that actually communicate between uh you know that actually deliver the messages between cell you know cells constructs you know to tell the cells what to do would probably be probably would be different so the uh-huh. virus basically wouldn't have a conduit to propagate hmm. so i've got to go back to that podcast i only listened to two of them they're they're really they're really knowledgeable and and just open to talk about anything which is nice right. because that's what people need right now you know so yeah but uh but yeah that was so. actually used the the disease thing was actually used mm-hmm. as the solution to i think it was the the day the world stood war, still oh, yeah, war, right. yeah war, it's been used war, a lot of movies. well it was war of the worlds wasn't it that we def- yeah, war the, it was the war of the too. worlds that we we basically defeated them with the common cold yeah <laughs> right? Right. yeah and uh, well and then also uh 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 independence day although it wasn't a biological right. you know it wasn't biological we inserted a electronic virus into their mm-hmm. into their ships so, yeah that's yeah. right yeah. Oh, same yeah yep but uh but yeah that was when when you brought up whether the uh, aliens would be susceptible i was like yep 
some I've actually heard a conversation about that recently. Yeah, about so. that subject, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Another so, synchronicity. Yeah. Well, I'm kind of glad that she told me that my experience with these three little aliens yeah, was Yeah, that real. was interesting. That, that was, she, that was she fascinating. Had some kind of... Uh, I mean, sure, real to uh, tingling, me. <laughs> uh, you know, experience in her crown chakra, yeah. she said, uh, as you were talking about that. 